Welcome to Eat Scripture Podcast. We are in the last chapter of Ruth today. It's going to be Ruth chapter four. Just want to say before we get started, continue to uh, take a look occasionally at our website, which is at eatscripture.com. There are several things that can help you there, some different resources, some articles you could read, uh, different things. And remember, you can find this podcast both on Spotify and iTunes and several other platforms. So, Be sure and share it, and we would love to hear from you also. There's a way, uh, certainly through, I know, Spotify and maybe something else, I'm not sure, to leave a message for us. I think everything. I think every... Platform. platform and it's on like six or seven platforms but i think all of them in the description of the episode mm-hmm. will have a link to where you could leave a message or a comment right and we would love to hear from you and that gives us some um questions to answer some interaction and if you're okay with it we would love to use your voice at some point on the episode right it's just a voice message so we can just add it in as we go here it'd be easy to do um and we would look forward to hearing back from y'all so let us know what you think and we will be happy to include it so let's get back to ruth now ruth chapter four where we are we've been walking through this book and there's a, a bunch here and there's a lot that we haven't talked about yet already but we're primarily we've looked at the surface a lot though we have also talked some typologically which we're going to do a lot more and we're reaching that point in the story um we we almost kind of saw the climax in a, one way in the last chapter um or maybe even some would say that we were seeing the climax in chapter two because literary structure wise that meeting of Boaz and Ruth in the field is a giant turning point in the story. From there, things start getting much, much better. We're not sure if things will ever get better before that, but then immediately after that, things start going on an upswing and really turning around. Which we'll talk about more after we finish the chapter four here. We're just going to Um, Kind of go through and look at the surface of the story a little bit and kind of what's going on. And then we'll come back and talk about some of these things that I think will pull it all together. Yes. And um, some of them will blow your mind. Yep. um, (laughs) We'll see if we can do that. Yeah. Um, So in chapter four, we will start in verse one. And I think let's just... Let's just go ahead and read from one through six to start, and then we will um, just cover some of that uh, first. Now Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat down there. And behold, the Redeemer of whom Boaz had spoken came by. So Boaz said, Turn aside, friend, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit down here. So they sat down. Then he said to the Redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. So I thought I would tell you of it and say, buy it in the presence of those sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not, tell me that I may know, for there is no one besides you to redeem it, and I come after you. And he said, I will redeem it. Then Boaz said, The day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead 
in his inheritance. Then the Redeemer said, Oh, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption yourself, for I cannot redeem it. Okay. So, this is that Redeemer that we saw Boaz speak of in the last chapter in verse 12, where he and Naomi, uh, he and Ruth were talking at the threshing floor, and Ruth wanted him to redeem her and Naomi. Uh, and then he said he certainly would be happy to do that, but that there was a closer Redeemer than him. So someone who, who would be closer as a relative connection to Elimelech than Boaz is. Is, is in between Boaz and Elimelech. And so he's the first redeemer and he gets to say whether or not he would like to redeem the land first. And then uh, what we didn't talk about last time, or one of the things we didn't bring up last time, although we did talk about the six measures of barley at the end of chapter three, um, there's also a thought, not just that those six measures there go with the one that she had gotten before from him, which would be seven. She got an effa before, one effa. And then we just have six measures, whatever that measure is, we don't know. Uh, but we have six measures. So six plus one could be that all the seven are given to her there. That's one right. way to look at it. But then you have also a line of thought out there that the six that she receives from Boaz is kind of a, a Jewish code, if you will, a way of pointing forward to something more. In other words, when it, we are not done yet. Yes. Right. It's incomplete. And so there's something more to come. Because seven's the only way to get to complete. Right. Seven would, would be complete. So we see that six. And sure enough, that's in 317, whenever Ruth has returned home to Naomi, she said, these six measures of barley he gave to me, for he said to me, you must not go back empty handed to your mother-in-law. She replied, in other words, Naomi replied, wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out, for the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. When she saw the six measures of barley, did she immediately know, oh, well then, she understood he the gave a six, oh, well, don't worry, because that means we're not done yet. Mm -hmm. He is definitely going to be about f finishing this thing. So right. that's what, so that's what we expect to see. Sure enough, the very next paragraph, that's what we're seeing. Boaz is at the gate, drawing together the people who can help make decisions and witness these things, uh, be strong witnesses to these things. And then he gets this whole process underway when the man who is the nearest redeemer walks by. Hey, come over here. Let's have a talk. And so the guy sits he down. Yeah, there's everybody else around. Yep. Make sure there's 10 elders. Sure everybody can witness. Right. Yep. Nobody will be unaware of what's taking place or how it took place. And so when he starts talking to him and he offers him the field first, Boy, immediately this guy, whose name we don't know, I mean, we have no idea what this guy's name He's is. Happy to get some. But land. he is on it. Yeah, exactly. He That's is right. Great. So getting land was a good thing. I mean, this will up his stock considerably to mm -hmm. have the chance at another piece of land, uh, which was not an easy thing to acquire in Israel. I mean, it's it's parceled out so that so that it's kept by family units. That's how the land is parceled out. And it's meant to stay with those family units. And God even has laws in place that 
keep it reverting back to those family units, no matter what happens to it. So, so to come across a piece of land, to be able to hold it for several years would have been a good thing, give you a chance to really get ahead for a while. So immediately the, this man is like, absolutely, I will redeem it. By redeeming this, he, he probably knows he's redeeming. I'm sure he knows that he's redeeming Naomi. But Naomi's too old to have kids. More than likely, that's where sure we are. And so, and yeah, taking care of exactly. He's going to feed her. He's going to take care of her. But he's going to get that land. So that's a good thing. But the minute Boaz brings up Ruth, yes, that she's also got this one with her who has it. tied herself to her, and she's responsible for. So you'll get her too, and she. And you're going to expect, be expected to produce an heir offspring for her. Yes, and so. um immediately this other redeemer is he's out yeah he decides i'm out of the picture because it's going to be an obligation for him it's not all him getting it's an obligation for him to do more and his children that he already has whoever are going to have to share their inheritance now it's not going to be all for him he's going to wind up pouring a lot of resources time effort into keeping this field okay raising a son in case this Ruth is able to produce a son, then he's going to spend a whole lot of resources there and a lot of time and a lot of effort. And ultimately that land and whatever it produces won't belong to him or his family. That'll go somewhere else. So he's thinking this may actually jeopardize the goods that are already have been able to acquire. Um, Because the leverage marriage thing isn't supposed to be a... Money-making, money-making endeavor. This right. is—it's not to build the redeemer's wealth. Right. It is to actually take care of exactly. the widows and orphans. Yes, and and, and make the community a better, right. keep the community a good community. A and good so, solid. it's yeah. interesting here that we get to kind of see how some people might have used it for wealth building, seen it as a wealth building potential. But the minute it was obvious that that wasn't what was going to happen. And probably he knew Boaz is going to be watching and all these witnesses are here. Yeah. So they're going to expect me. I can't just say, well, she never got pregnant. Yeah. This is going to be. Yeah. uh, Something everybody's watching. Yep. And so. Absolutely. He was out. He was happy to give up his rights. Yeah. He says, I'm, I'm, I'm go ahead. Yeah. I'm not in this. (laughs) Well, as soon as he says that, of course, that's when Boaz steps in and, comes to the rescue. So in verse 7 through 12, it says, Now this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging. To confirm a transaction, the one drew off his sandal and gave it to the other, and this was the manner of attesting in Israel. So when the Redeemer said to Boaz, Buy it for yourself, he drew off his sandal. And then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, Your witnesses this day that I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Kilion and Malon. Also, Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Malon, I have bought to be my wife, the, to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gate of his native place. You are witnesses this day. Then all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you act worthily in Ephrathah and be renowned in Bethlehem. And may your house be like the house of Perez, who 
whom Tamar bore to Judah because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. Okay, so first thing we hear about is this strange practice with the sandal, which even the author is interpreting for his first rate yes, readers. This obviously was an ancient yeah, at practice least, that at least long ago. maybe wasn't still taking place when this was written down. Yep. So uh, if we go back to Deuteronomy 25, verses 5 through 10, where it talks about leveret marriage, the sandal is actually a part of that very description. That's what it says, except it's used in a way that's very negative there. If someone won't redeem, if someone refuses to redeem the widow, then the widow can demand their sandal or take their sandal and then in the presence of witnesses spit in their face and say, this is what's done to one who won't redeem his brother's uh, widow and land, etc. Widow especially, who won't continue his brother's house is how it basically says it. So it's a very negative sounding thing. Here, the sandal is removed We do have that. So he says, no, I won't do it, or I can't do it. I'd rather not do it. And then immediately his sandal gets removed and handed to Boaz, as if to transfer the opportunity to Boaz. So, and that's all that's, it just seems like a somewhat benign, symbolic gesture that makes reference to that. And so it's not carrying that negative connotation here, but we wouldn't expect it to. Because the last thing that Boaz or Ruth is about this whole way this is working out is unhappy. They it's are the way not they wanted unhappy. it to go. Yes. They're there. Nobody's spitting in anybody's face because hey, we're we're perfectly fine. If you don't want to redeem it, then Boaz will stop will step right in and I will redeem both the land and Ruth and Naomi and you know, go on from here. So it's a very positive thing, but we still had that sandal reference. Now, I think that's also interesting and I don't know exactly how it fits in. And, um, I mean, this is not really a big deal for us to talk about right now, except that it just makes me think that Ruth was on the threshing floor. She went in there and she uncovered his feet. Mm. So I wonder if that was connected in some way, um, to this sandal, um, hmm. thing and I mean all I know is that she was somehow proposing to him yeah. And but it just uh, because of the sandal reference and him taking off mm-hmm. it seems like another uncovering of feet hmm. and yeah except when he uncovers his he's saying I don't want to right. redeem and whereas Boaz is when they're uncovered that winds up being a very yeah, positive it situation it may not go together at all it yeah. just seems odd that in this story those two things are right so close together so as we do talk about symbols symbols and so forth i started wondering if the 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 sandal has to do with if the sandal has to do with feet and walking and i don't know whatever that goes along with that though the one way that is often in israel it's talked about when you have land ownership it's talked about putting your putting your feet on that land the feet where your land stand or uh in abraham is told in genesis 13 17 that god is going to give him the whole land and that he is to walk the length and breadth of this land which god is giving him which is symbolic of saying it's all going to be yours now 
Uh, and so whenever, and, and that happens in Deuteronomy 1.36, in Deuteronomy 11.24, Joshua 1.3, Joshua 14.9, where we have those same allusions to putting your feet on the ground that you, that is yours, that you're going right. to own. So when he takes off his sandal, I couldn't help but wonder if he's saying, okay, my feet are not going to be the feet that walk on this land that on this land i'm giving it to you and he hands his sandal to boaz for a second as if to symbolically transfer ownership i did wonder about that just interesting things to think just thoughts (laughs) yeah not that we know all the answers but um and so uh then he we go down and we watch how he redeems this land he redeems the land as it were uh along with the ladies that belong to the men who own the land are talked about belonging and purchasing. I know this hurts our sensibilities, but he's purchasing Naomi and Ruth along with the land. That's the way they would have seen it. It's a great big purchase process. It's a, uh, that's what the redeemer does. He's stepping in and, and purchasing everything. Don't forget that we too, as God's church, were bought, bought with, with a price. price. Exactly. Yeah, so, Thank you. Yeah. So that's all gonna, that's all underlying this whole thing. So then those who are there, who are the witnesses, as we see at the end of verse 10, they're referenced again by Boaz, you are witnesses this day. Then they start responding back. Then all the people who are at the gate start talking and saying, we are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. Very interesting reference there. Use them together. Very interesting because we've been talking about this two women motif too. Yeah. So there's two women together. And so it feels like it's almost equating uh, Naomi and Ruth with Rachel Rachel and and Leah. Sure does. uh, Yeah. Producing this new nation yes absolutely and of course there is a type that underlies this uh very thing so we'll talk more about Mm -hmm. that too but yeah it feels like they're being tied together naomi and ruth are somehow tied together in the same sense that leah and rachel Mm -hmm. are tied together i think i think there is definitely that illusion going on um and then may you act worthily in ephratha and be renowned in bethlehem and may your house be like the house of Perez, who Tamar bore to Judah. Mm-hmm. Now, you know. First of all, they, they're talking that worthily word again. Yeah. I just want to throw that in there yep. because they've referenced both Ruth and Boaz as being worthy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and then may you act worthily. May you, just, yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Anyway, and yeah. they, and the be only... renowned in Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, they are. Mm-hmm to this day he's already a good yeah yeah, yeah and they're still yeah, yeah he's a good man here already and a worthy man and certainly we're still talking about him today as being good yeah. worthy people uh so yeah they are that certainly their house this blessing came true um and then be like the house of perez yeah which seems which, a little weird a little weird because if perez. you know the story <laughs> It's a little strange. Um, as a matter of fact, you know, teacher Chuck Missler would say that if this was somebody, if somebody blessed your house, if somebody blessed your house this way, that you might turn back around and say, hey, same to you, buddy, uh, in, in kind of a derisive tone. Because wait a second, that whole passage in Genesis 38 that's about how Perez is born, mm-hmm. that's a, 
that's an odd passage. That's weird. Um, and it does not sound pretty at all. It's got lots of ugliness about it and, and uh, trickery, uh, treachery, a desire to kill. Uh, all these things are wrapped up in here and in that story. And then you get to the end and you find out Perez is born. And sure enough, Perez does carry on the line from Judah that will eventually lead to the Messiah. Right. But maybe if somebody just threw oh. that out at you out of the blue, Perez and Tamar, uh-huh. oh my gosh, those names, you're like, whoa, that's a little harsh. Oh, well, I even love because Perez's name means breakout. Yeah. And yeah. so this is because, well, you'd have to go read the whole story. But, <laughs> but I love that here because um, it's also tied to a mother who is, I mean, Tamar was a Gentile. She was... Um, Actually, Perez was born through prostitution and mm-hmm. uh, trickery, like you said. Yep. And um, so I, it's just an interesting tie-in with this story. It was, first of all, just the Gentile mother. Um, mm-hmm. But also um, just her questionable character. Absolutely. And yes. not that Ruth has that. And yet she's a Gentile. She's a Moabitess. She's a, she's a Moabitess. And that is not a good look at yeah. this time. I, I mean, Absolutely. The Moabites are enemies. As so. a Jew, you have immediate questions about Moabites. What's she doing here? What is she thinking? How is she acting? What, you know, so there's questionable things and, surrounding her. And Tamar her. was actually, part of that was all tied up in the Leverett marriage oh, idea yeah. too. Yeah. Very much. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you would think so. That too. was why that happened. Mm-hmm. For sure, Judah wouldn't live up to his yeah. obligation. Judah wouldn't wasn't living up to his leverage marriage mm-hmm. obligations. If we go back to mm-hmm. Genesis, so interesting the mention yeah. there. That's just and and that that's going to be they're all going to be in the same family line. Yeah, and they're all in the same line exactly. So very interesting. Okay, so let's go on and read uh, the final part of this, oh, which good. is verses. Read the good part. Yeah, verses 13 <laughs> through 22. Um, so Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And he went into her, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, who has not left you this day without a Redeemer. And may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more than more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now, these are the generations of Perez. Perez fathered Hezron. Hezron fathered Ram. Ram fathered Abinadab. Yeah, I said that right. Abinadab <laughs> fathered Nashon. Nashon fathered Salmon. Salmon fathered Boaz. Boaz fathered Obed. Obed fathered Jesse. And Jesse fathered David. Yep, so the last word in the whole book is David. That's what we've been headed toward this whole time. This this book becomes very much a, a way of me making sense of how God has kept the line of Judah going and moved it through these 
ugly judges times even and kept it moving toward the great king uh, of Israel that we, we've been waiting for. So the book would have been written in its final, certainly in its final form after David. I mean, that's what the writer knew. That's what he was uh, putting in here at the end, or at least the editor knew at the end whenever he was putting in this genealogy, that mm-hmm. that's what he was doing. So, but certainly, and, and by saying editor, of course, I don't mean anything about inspiration. God hovered over the whole process and brought all the pieces together mm-hmm. to give us the book that we have today. And so, there's a lot of question about when it was written exactly. So, yes. and who wrote it and yeah. all of that, which we don't have to go yeah. into big here, but uh, right. it's obviously a story that has been, is very important to the Jews mm-hmm. and, yep. and tells a beautiful story for us. Mm-hmm. It should be very important to us because it's our story. Right. It definitely is. So, in verse 13, he takes her as his wife, takes Boaz takes Ruth, and immediately they conceive. I mean, unless that's the way the story is told. Well, my favorite is that it says the Lord gave her conception. Yes. So it's not it's just passive a, sounding yes. on her part. It's mm-hmm. just all about the Lord. Yeah. It doesn't say she conceived or they conceived. It doesn't say anything like that. It is so interesting that it, it she's even passive here. We, we spoke just a little bit last time about how passive Ruth seems through the whole book, mm-hmm. waiting for people to tell her what to do. Oh, when they do tell her, she goes and she does that very thing. Yes. I mean, it's all, she's she's very much playing the part she's expect, told to play and she plays it right down the line, however she's told. And then here, even when she conceives, she sounds passive in the process. God is the one mm-hmm. who conceived the son in her. Um, right. So very interesting. Which I love because conception. all through scripture, of course, if we were to go through and look at the whole of scripture, we would see God is opening and closing wombs. Yeah. He is the one who brings about um, the births of these people yes it is not any he, he seems to be making in my opinion a big point of that yes it's not their efforts in their humanity it is god who's doing this he's opening mm-hmm. and closing wounds at just the right time with just the right people exactly and, yeah uh, to accomplish it's, his purposes yes and God's so this sovereignty. is another place that that's taking place I yeah he is in full view yeah absolutely his hand is on the whole process so God will become the restorer of life and the nurture of Naomi, Naomi in her old age, which of course takes us back Beautiful. to the fact that she came back with nothing and that she was desperate for food is why she left in the first place. There's big famine in the land. That's why Elimelech took the whole family out of the land in the first place. Now they've returned with nothing and yet found all the nourishment uh, they could need. Well, I love it because it's the women here. Yeah. All of a sudden these women are back and I'm assuming they're like the they, same women. Yeah. Right. That saw I think her so. in the end of chapter one uh-huh. uh, and said, oh, is this Naomi? And she says, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. That's right. Yeah, because all these I've come back empty. Yeah. Everything's bad. God has not looked on me favorably. And now they're here at this birth and they're saying, look, you're blessed. Yes. He hasn't left you without a redeemer and you will be taken care of. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. awesome. Yeah. And then and then they say that this daughter, Ruth, is more to you than seven sons. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a really interesting reference, too. So the ones that you would have expected to be your progeny turned out not to be the ones 
that you're close to. And yet the one who is now, in a sense, your progeny, because she's tied to you through that marriage, is greater to you than you could have ever imagined if you had had You lost these two sons, but now he's given you something even greater. Yes. In this daughter-in-law who loves you and is producing grandchildren for you. Absolutely. So beautiful, beautiful. Again, on a typological level, crazy, beautiful language going on here, but we're going to talk about that some more (laughs) in our next, uh, in our next podcast. So at the end of this one, though, we just get the, then we get the rest uh, of the reference here. Naomi's nursing the child, even it sounds like in verse 16, don't even ask me how that exactly goes. because I can't tell you, I, I don't know what all that she's means. Just she's just caring for him on a regular basis, yeah. more likely is what, what it sounds like. Um, and the women of the neighborhood gave him a name uh, saying, a son has been born to Naomi. And they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Why in the world would they name him Obed? Maybe we can reference that a little bit next yeah. time. But Obed means servant. Yeah, uh, Obed means servant, even slave in some cases. And so what exactly, uh, why would the women give him that name? What mm-hmm. What is everybody thinking? So we will cover some of this ground next time. Yeah, Certainly, we're not finished. Yeah. Certainly have been glad to have you all along with us. So far, um, it's going to get a lot bigger from here. Um, There are some mind-blowing things coming. Be sure and join us for our next episode. Thank you guys for following along with the podcast. So don't forget, you're welcome to leave a message. It's just a simple voice message. At any time, you can record it. Uh, We will be happy to answer questions or talk about comments or whatever. So thank you so much. We will talk to you all soon. God bless.